0: Welcome to episode 28 of the Harry Potter Lexicon podcast. My name is Steve Vanderarch, and I am the creator and editor-in-chief of the Harry Potter Lexicon website.
1: And I'm Nick Moline, the Lexicon's tech wizard who works tirelessly to make things happen.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you have been working very tirelessly lately. I can't wait to talk about all the new things that are going on. But, um, yeah, we've got a, uh, a couple of interesting fan theories to talk about today, uh, tossing some things around, uh, kind of looking at the new um, uh, Next Fantastic Beasts film that's going to be coming out. Uh, but before we do that, let's let's talk about the lexicon. Let's talk about this. And, uh, Nick, you should really take a bow because you have kind of come through uh in glory here with all the things that happened um nick and i've been working for the last i don't know how long we've been working on this update
1: it seems like a long time if you listen to our podcast going back for like 10 15 episodes it seems like we're all talking about the
0: Timelines. Well, so. especially the timelines, <laughs> <range>, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the uh. ti- we actually have. I mean, and we'll talk. Let's not start with timelines. Let's talk because that's just such a glorious thing. We'll start. We'll start with the, and I'm not going to say easier, but some, some maybe the less flashy, um, the new navigation, Yes. up at the top of each page now. So, things moved around. See, okay, you got to got to understand that when, when we originally designed the site, I came up with some ideas, and that's what we went with. And uh, as it turned out, my ideas were not the best. They were fine, but they were not the best. And so Nick all the time has been saying, you know, we've got this better way of doing it. And so uh, behind the scenes, because we actually have a version of the site, which is, you know, the behind the scenes version. And uh, we... uh, um, I call it the Alchemy Lab. The Alchemy Lab, right. (laughs) And so we spent a lot of time... um, uh, working on all the changes and things on that site and for quite some time we had most of these changes in place but not to the point where we dared go live with it um but basically what it is is the uh the basically the the, the navigation menu has moved to the top which is logical and uh um up at the top there now uh we have some different uh we, we have, Most of them are the same, but we do have some different options. Uh, across the top now it says characters, places, magic, events, things, creatures, sources, essays, and lists. But what's different about that is if you actually click on, let's say, characters, you'll get a list of the main characters, but then if you click on more, you actually get to what what we call a landing page, which is basically a very detailed and very um, uh, just it's just tons of options for ways to look up characters and find out more about characters um, it has a list of all the notable characters which I think we have everybody on there that we should although once in a while I'll add one because I realize we missed somebody But and then there's the A to Z index where you can actually click on a letter and see everybody and, uh, who starts with that and it was interesting because I had somebody sent me uh, an email or a comment saying uh, you have a mistake because uh, Tina um, Goldstein shows up on the S page. Nick, why does Tina Goldstein show up on the S page? Uh, <laughs>
1: I'm trying to remember because one of her names starts with an
0: S. Uh, well, her last name. She's yeah. now Tina commander. And oh, so that's yeah. <laughs> why. You see, the our 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 search actually looks at first name, last name, Because, in the wizarding world particularly, you don't always have first name and last name, you know, exactly. Um, You know, different characters will have just a first name or just a name. It's not really a first name. Or, uh, you know, and if somebody's looking for um, uh, Porpentina Scamander, they're going to look under S. You know? And so, because, you know, they might not make the connection that that's actually Tina Goldstein. And so we try to make it, you know, anything that starts first name, last name, it starts with that letter. So if you click on, you know, uh, I wonder if she shows up under P for Porpentina. She might. She should. She should. She should
1: show up under T, she should show up under P, and she should show up under G, and she should show up under S. Right. Uh.
0: Now you could say, oh, that's confusing. Uh, That's, you know, too much. But if you think about it, you know, we can't we can't always guess how people are going to be looking for things and what they're going to be thinking of. And right. we'd rather have an extra few names on there than not have enough, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the, why that happens. And then after that, there's a list of all the main families, you know, from the Black family to the Malfoy family, the Gaunt family, the Weasley family. And each of those goes to a page with a list of all those, uh, the, the people that are in the, that family and uh, links to them and such like. Then there's a link to some essays. Then there are links to groups of types of magical people, such as all the ghosts and all the members of the inquisitorial squad, things like that. So that is...
1: Some of these groups uh, show off another feature that we added after in addition to the navigation thing.
0: That is right, because if you go down to the end, you will see something that says lists. Because... So one cool thing about the original lexicon, which most people liked, was that if you looked up, say, occupations, you got a, a hand-created page listing all the occupations with nodes, which was a feature we kind of lost when we went with the more normal, normal, as in this is modern, normal way that websites work, um, sort of a database version where everything... Got just its own page, which is kind of what people are used to. It's the wiki style kind of a page, and so, although we're definitely not in the style of a wiki, but, um, and so some people, including myself, kind of felt a little bit like, oh, we kind of lost something. That the lexicon had this, this, um, I don't know, uh, sort of charm to it, which was the fact that you could tell that somebody sat down and essentially almost wrote an essay about occupations in the course of listing all of these things. And so we can't really go back to that so much, but what we do have if you do click on lists, which is now at the top there, and you go to more, then you get to a page which is kind of the landing page for lists. And then if you go to the Wizarding World, you'll find underneath that lists of companies and businesses, organizations, publishers and publications, that sort of thing. And so we've been sort of uh, trying to... Find a way to give those lists of things, professions is under Magical People, for example. And then you can find a list of all the Aurors or all the Healers or all the Shopkeepers. It's a way of kind of bridging that gap. Now, um, it's, I, I, I say this, uh, I'm very excited about this, but it's also by no means is it like a finished deal. I mean, right. we are still adding, adding lists all the time. I'm. I do it quite frequently. I'll say, oh, I guess I need an is, a, a list for this. Now, it automatically gets listed. You know, like if it's a if it's a a government list, it'll automatically get listed underneath government and things like this. So, right. Um, it's a ne-
1: the lists are a nested feature.
0: Right. So exactly. Yeah. There you go. Sorry. So, like, if I pull, sp-
1: so if I pull up, for example, the list of magical people, it's actually there's no actual. Nobody actually listed directly on here. Instead, it's a list of other lists. So in, under Magical People List, you can then pull up the Dumbledore's Army list, and it pulls up the people who are in Dumbledore's Army.
0: So. Right. And uh, it's worth pointing out the lovely little fact that now on the purple bar, which used to be the navigation bar, is now the breadcrumbs.
1: Yeah, breadcrumbs and are do, a, I mean, it's a. Go
0: ahead. hmm no, I was taking a sip because you're you're the breadcrumb king. You go ahead. You talk. You tell us about breadcrumbs.
1: Breadcrumbs are a very, uh, I mean, they're a very common feature of most websites. But there's the good a, ones. there's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but there's actually a, uh, you know, there's a there's a certain charm in seeing where you are. You know, um, for example, when I click on, you know, if I go to Harry Potter's article now. Uh, just an example. If it loads, there you go. Um, you know, I can now see that, that that Harry Potter is inside the Potter family, which is under characters, and then you can get back home It's very easy to say, "Oh, I'm on the Harry Potter's page," but let me look at his whole family. You know, and sure. go yep. up a level and and see just more. You know.
0: And actually, most of our our site was already in that kind of format. We just didn't have a way to show it.
1: So. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I I campaigned heavily for uh, um for breadcrumbs for like two and a half years. Yes, you did. <laughs> and I think it took actually showing it to you and just, like I just did it on the alchemy lab and said, Steve, this is what I want, and then you said, Oh, that's great.
0: It's <laughs> like, oh, That's what I would say. Yeah. Well, and and and. You know, that's those are the kind of things that, <clears throat> once you kind of start to come together with it, it all starts to kind of make sense, and you go, oh, okay, yeah, that's a better place for this, and oh, but then what about oh, that can fit here, and I mean, if you look at the home page where we still have the the you know daily exchange rate or the hourly exchange rate on the Galleon and the temperature and weather uh, ticker on the various locations, that used to be located below the purple line, and now it's in the purple line. So it's stuff like that, which just you know, you have to kind of oh, that looks not only that looks really good there, and it fits perfectly, and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. So
1: We did have to change th- our squigglies, because the squigglies we had wouldn't work <laughs> yeah. inside the purple part. But
0: the ones we have, now the new ones I like better. I really do. I think they're cool. I found them, so that was I get to take yep. credit for it. See, in all this, Nick does all the work, and I'm the one that does. Hey, how about some different squigglies, You know, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the that's the extent of my technical prowess. I like
1: the squigglies, too. They're simple, but they almost look wand-like. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, I think they look snake-like. I, th- I think it just you know adds to our you know secret secret Slytherinness. Yeah. Since so uh, since our senior editor is a Slytherin, so. Yeah. Anyway, uh, another thing, if you go across places, of course, like pretty obvious, magic is, and oh, and, you know, I realize that this is like whatever, but if you look at the uh, magic list, this is something people ask for a lot. They wanted, because we put, on, under magic, we put spells and potions. We put it all under magic. But people wanted to be able to just see potions or just see spells. And so those are separated out now, which was a little bit of actually a little programming uh, conundrum you had to deal with of how to make it just pick out those particular things which you'd manage yes. so we've got an a to z on both of those uh as we've well got as
1: for even more specific plant. things like potion ingredients yep there's an a to z, there's an a to z mm-hmm. on potion just ingredients which is yeah which is pretty cool because that's actually not what was under our magic section that was under our things yeah thing see is, that's the category. that's
0: the cool thing about this whole idea of a landing page it's even though it's magic it's not you, you you can have anything on there not just magic things mm-hmm. and so like the it's we've got magical items and devices on there even though all of those magical items and devices are actually in the things category not the magic category so that the, the landing pages allow cuz it's got all the all kinds of uh, cool you know essays that we have so it's just a lot of ways to find cool stuff we even have some great uh, a list of quotes from macio quote so just just cool stuff now the the next one events that's where things get really cool but before we start talking about that the the third from the last one is called sources used to be canon now it's called sources yeah. just because that clarifies a little bit more that we actually talk about more than just the strictly canon things but uh so that's a great way to just see where all the canon information are, is that we use plus a little bit of a discussion which again still has some, uh, you know. I saw somebody on Reddit saying, you know, they that the people on the lexicon get a little bit, uh, what was the word, high-minded about about the whole canon thing. I'm like, well, yeah, we do. We're not talking anybody down. That's just, you know, that's our editorial policy. And you know, I use the wiki as well, knowing full well that that doesn't match our our editorial policy. There's nothing wrong with that, but yeah. we do have to be really clear on what we what we consider canon. We're not telling everybody else that they're wrong or anything like that. It's just that's that's what you find on the Lexicon. So anyway, that's on there. Um uh, along with your very cool canon picker that you created uh, is on there. So that's that's also um and and we also have um a link to uh like interviews and cursed child and all the other things which are one level or another of canon that we use. Is on there, so so that's cool. What is not really on there yet is uh, the guide to um, Rowling's hmm. original website, which is one thing that the uh, the lexicon, the original lexicon, had this amazing analysis. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, guide to Rolling's website, which was. Basically, as I've been searching around, I can't find anything that's the equivalent of that on the web right now. You can see you know, a text version of her original website on the Wayback Machine, but um, to actually know about how all the, the animations worked and what you could click on and all this kind of stuff, uh, we were the only ones, I think, who had all of that detail, or at least who have it now. If anybody else did, it's gone. Um, so I'm slowly but surely bringing all that information over to the uh, To the website but it's uh it 's a slow slog because there 's a lot of links um, there 's a whole page just about the sounds, and that 's one I think i 've actually brought over but you know just just a link to the different sounds that happened in day and night and when peeves went through and i mean as i 'm reading through this and editing through this old document from about ten years ago i 'm reading this and just remembering how cool um, how cool that um, website really was, how many details and how much fun it was to play with, and you know now I look at that and I think, man, that was a it's that true. was a lo- you know,
1: there's there's something to be said about things that we may have lost on the internet, yeah, um you know like the internet when i even when I first Got on it in, you know 94 95 there were a lot of surprisingly intricate sites on there I remember the original star trekcom or one it was star Trek.msn.com, you know it was you know it had a it had an L cars interface you moved around you had they had these 3d VR areas of like Starfleet Academy and stuff like that I mean not to switch genres on us there but oh, that's all right <laughs> you know that was I know was exactly so, what you're saying. Yeah, it was so immersive. And then, and, you know, J.K. Rowling's original is like we used to we all loved it when that door would open again. I mean we yeah. just spent we could spend hours just trying to figure out what her new puzzle to get through the door is because she would give you absolutely no explanation. Just start mm-hmm. clicking things until it starts mm-hmm. working. You know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you'd have to search all over all over the site to try to find... Uh, I remember one, one thing, you had to find a, a bunch of gnarled quills that had been taped onto the bulletin board and yep. stuff like that. Now, but then, why has this changed? I think I know the answer, but you tell me. Why has this changed? You know, it,
1: you're, you're probably thinking it's changed because of mobile. Um, yep, and touch. And, and to a certain extent, that's true. But it actually started changing before that. Um I mean, think of the last time, for example, both both of those sites that I just mentioned, both StarTrek.com and com. the last time that either of those were those kind of immersive, pull you in type things was well before the smartphone takeover.
0: Yeah, but uh, I think no, about had, it more in terms no, of Pottermore. Po-
1: we did have Pottermore, and Pottermore, Pottermore was... was that,
0: and that, that I th- the whole reason it changed and got into that. A new format was to be, you know, mobile and touch friendly.
1: That's absolutely true. The Pottermore was an attempt to get that back, to get that feeling back. Right. Uh, and it was a great attempt. But then, by that point, mobile had already started taking over everything. And so it clearly became, you know, hey, Two thirds of our visitors are coming from are on mobile devices, and they can't use the site. That's got to well, change. Um, we know
0: about that. That's what happened to yeah, us.
1: It did. I mean, we're, we're well over fifty percent of our traffic seems to be uh, seems to be mobile most mm-hmm. of the time. Sometimes it varies. Sometimes the desktop takes over again. But I mean, you can't get rid of half of your visitors. No, you know? exactly. You just can't
0: no and and I get that, but I guess that's that to me is the biggest reason why those old immersive sites it seems to me those old immersive sites really were kind of an old paradigm
1: yeah
0: it's it's well, okay now wait a wait a minute, is this back into the what was the word for it when like Apple did that, where everything looked like it was actual real life objects remember that skemorphism that's what it was called like everything was you know a, it looked like a real bookcase, and it looked like you know, real materials, non-computer materials. There was a time when that was the thing. Right. Now it's all gone flat. It's all gone. You know, more. It's uh, it's it kind of lost some of that, and it's all gone to this more flat. Um, mater- like like <laughs> like and and like material design, which is the the um, Google you know version of that. But it has more of a. It's like we finally admitted that. Okay, we're in a computer. Let's just deal with it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's a certain extent of, you know, yeah, it may not feel as homey, right. but it's certainly, it's more usable, right? I mean, you, you mentioned Apple's old thing where everything used to look like a bookshelf. Well, you know, when, when the Apple thing, like when iBooks looked like a bookshelf, it was so, it was wasting so much space right? Mm-hmm. You'd have yeah. like, three icons across because that's all you could fit on the bookshelf. Right? Oh, cough.
0: Pottermore <laughs> cough. Talk about wasted yeah. space.
1: Um, well, that's the, true. The, then you go the opposite f- space and now people are just trying to make giant boxes for no apparent reason. But <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I guess
0: because they think people can't aim when they poke with their fingers.
1: Well, they can't. So that's. Well, <laughs> <what they're...
0: laughs> but and, and, I mean, it's, it's a, absolutely true that
1: people can't aim. But on phone the right other hand. hand,
0: I use I use you know um, Office three sixty five on my phone and on a tablet. I use three off. I use um, Google Docs, both of which are perfectly fine touch wise. Although I, ca- I guess I u- usually use them. I mean, if I'm doing them like if I'm doing them on on my phone or whatever, I'll do a spreadsheet on there, but. I don't do any real work, I guess. Come to that,
1: right? Because it's hard to do. Um, Yeah, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting shift. But I think we're getting Mm -hmm. off topic here, so let's go.
0: (laughs) Well, we are, but I guess the the the, you you, that is true. But I guess the the point to that is that uh, that section which talked all about J.K. Rowling's original website. uh, Eventually, it will all make its way over. I'm working on it very very. Carefully, one one page at a time, trying to connect all those links and everything. Um, yeah, we've had
1: we've had some conversations about features you want for it. So when you're ready, I'll get those. Yeah,
0: on there. right. Um, well, it's still it's going to be a while, but anyway. So like, have we? That pretty much covers it, doesn't it? No, it doesn't cover no. the biggest thing.
1: Yeah, I didn't get to the biggest thing yet. Well, two the two things. The
0: two biggest things. Oh yes. Okay. First of all, search. Right. Tell us about so, search.
1: So search. Um, Probably the casual person probably didn't notice the changes on search, but there's a few big changes. One is just a change that saves me money, and uh, that is that I got rid of the external service that we were using for search and, and uh-huh. running it all in house now. Okay, which does have a couple of things. One, it makes the search faster. Um, you know, our web the website itself is currently being hosted in Dallas, but the uh, search right, me- was. Yeah, but the search—oh w- no, it's not. Sorry, it's being hosted here. I thought it was hosted in Dallas, but no, it's hosted oh, okay. Here.
0: Um, no, it's just me. I'm just in the Dallas area, but yeah. But the okay. search
1: was being hosted in um, uh, Glasgow. Uh huh. So every time you and the two servers would have to talk to each other for everything. So. You know, that introduced a lot of what's called latency in the conversation. I mean, basically, literally, every time you would make a search, your connection from wherever you were would have to go to California, and then California would have to go to Glasgow and come back and and, and then send it back to you. So it was introducing this extra thing. So our search should be faster now. Um, Uh I've also given it more resources than our, you know, we had a, limited set of how much resources we were allowed to use on this third-party service. So I've given it more resources. I've added sections to the search that weren't there before. In particular, I've added the ability to search for uh, us, for the people who work on the lexicon. Oh, yeah. Um, So you can search for artists and authors and editors and... I think that's their, great,
0: because I like yeah. everybody to get some credit for all that work that they do. Which, by the way, we do put their names now at the bottom of each page. The ones oh, that, they that, is on. A, that is another new feature, yeah. Mm-hmm. Adam,
1: yep. you know, who, who's the primary editor of a particular page. Yep. Um, and then the other couple of things that it did in search. One, I fixed those weird, funky labels on the right-hand yeah. side that yeah. were yeah. easy yeah. to
0: have. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you put those, like, originally, like, oh, I'll just slap those in there so we have something. And then they just stayed there. Well... <laughs> They were actually the coming passive.
1: from the search system because that's the way right. these labels were in there in right. the search. But that's and what I, I mean. Is I guess yeah.
0: like, you know, you're oh, yeah, i got to fix those at some point. Yeah. So you fixed them. I fixed them.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, and then the other big thing I did is I actually am now, anytime you do a search, I'm doing two searches. I'm doing one directly against the database, and then I'm using our full-text search system. The reason I'm doing the directly against the database version is i want is i added the ability added if you search for something exactly by name right if you type in harry potter then the article that's named exactly harry potter is going to show potter is going to show up first Right, right with
0: a green box around it which i think is a neat little touch
1: Yes, the little green mm-hmm. highlight to make sure yeah. that you know, it's like this was an exact match. This is probably uh-huh. what you're looking for. Because uh,
0: you know, just putting it at the top is not enough. You got to show off a little. Yeah. There you um,
1: go. So, so I think those are those those features really make the search much more usable. I have mm-hmm. some other things that I'm working on for search. Um, yeah, why not? I'll tell people what's, what I'm working on. I am. I'm actually working on some natural language processing for search, um, and what that okay. it, <laughs> you're like, what the heck does that mean? Um, no, I know what exactly
0: what that means. I'm just impressed that you're doing it.
1: So my plan. and This might take a while. So you know, this is like far future stuff here. If you ask it a question, it will. You tell do you realize that
0: you once you say it, you got to do it.
1: And I am. I'm working on it. It will happen. It just might be six months to a year. Uh, um, I am working on a, uh, and I'm using some Google technology to do this, Um, uh, but you're going to ask it a question, and it will give you an answer. If you ask, how old is Harry Potter, it will reach into our database, find the Harry Potter article, find the metadata we put in there, pull out his birth date, and actually tell you the answer rather than uh, with a link to a Harry Potter article.
0: So, is it going to work with Google Home? Because you know,
1: uh, that's the plan.
0: <laughs> okay, good. Because I want to be able yeah. to talk to it. I uh, want to talk and, to my own website.
1: Yeah, uh, it'll work on Google Home. It'll work on the website itself. It'll work on uh, Facebook Messenger. I'm going to create a little chat bot. If you're in Facebook, you can just talk to it. Um,
0: that is so cool.
1: Yeah. So yeah, okay. this is a this is a feature so, I'm working on. I'm two weeks in, using...
0: two weeks maybe, maybe three.
1: No, this could be more than that. Uh, okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, but
0: that's that's really cool because you know that's in the end we want our data. We've got so much yes. really good information. We've got almost 20 years of research into this. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and we've done this. Nobody ever gets paid for this. This has always been just a labor of love by a whole bunch of people. And I mean these are people who over the course of <coughs> 17 18 years now have been putting all this time and effort into it. Our goal is to make this as accessible as possible to fans so that you know when they want to know information, they know that the Lexicon is the place to go to to get it correct. You're not going to get you know weird speculation, you're not going to get some weird thing that somebody put in a fan fiction somewhere. You're going to get the real data. So, speaking of real data, now we get to timelines.
1: All right. So let's. let's we finally, you know, we've been talking about timelines forever, and we finally have them. They're still a uh-huh. work in progress. We're working on them because we made a decision at some point. We were trying to automate everything, mm-hmm. and we came to the realization at some point it's like, you know, what if we automate it completely? We you know lose a little bit of that, of that same you know that same thing Craft, that we were we were just talking crafted about crafted quality it's, you know that that curated quality to it. Right. So we actually instead I added it's based on the same functionality of lists, but with uh-huh. a lot of additional functionality to it. You know we now have the ability to create curated timelines, not just a big timeline of everything that happens, but you can pull up the timeline of Rubius Hagrid. Right Right, you yep. know, and it's that one doesn't have a lot. I probably shouldn't have picked that one. But <laughs> No, you shouldn't
0: have because I don't think I've done it. Because the flip side of this is that in order to have a timeline of Rubeus Hagrid, I or somebody, one of our editors, has to go into our events database, go to each one and manually check a box that said add this to the Rubeus Hagrid timeline. And you might think, well, that's crazy. That's a lot of work. Yeah, but that's how you get a correct timeline. If Mm -hmm. your basic data is correct, then it's just a matter of getting it assigned to the right timeline. So if you look at a timeline, say, of Lord Voldemort, you are going to see all the events, starting with December 1925, when Gaunt fools Tom Riddle into marrying her, all the way through, um, well, all the way through 1998, which is when he dies. Right. And so all of those events on there were should manually added. Events, by the way. <laughs> <clears throat> well, and you know how that has to happen. Yeah. <laughs> we have to go. I mean, if you look at that, what he's referring to is the fact that May first, and then you have May second, all the way through. You have like five events, which all are part of the Battle of Hogwarts. Battle the Hogwarts they get first. They <laughs> get ordered by hidden information which was one of these things we were struggling with because the problem is that events that happen in a fictional world frequently or very often don't have complete data. You don't know exactly what time of day, just to use that example of May 2, 1998, you're not going to have the exact time of day that Bellatrix Lestrange dies in a duel with Molly Weasley. You're not going to have the exact time of day of of all of these things. And so you have to decide how are you going to tell the computer because computers don't aren't real good with fuzziness. How are you going to tell the computer which order to put those events in? One way to do it would be to simply make a field that says, you know, make this, you know, just put in a number and put them in the order of the numbers I put in: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. What we decided to do instead is we actually put in fields for not just day but the exact time. And even though that data is not going to be canon, if we and we're inventing some of it just by the best guess we can possibly make, the system looks at that data to use it... Whoa, what's that crunching noise? What are you working on? Something's making a loud crunching noise on your end. Um, but just to... Uh, what it's going to do is it's going to uh, use that invisible non-canon data that we have added to order things. And so... Um, Oh, I think there's a real good example I'd have to have to remember. I know there's one that I, I used it when I wrote a blog post about it. But there's one year, back in I think the 1600s or something, when there were like three different Ministers of Magic, two events that are part of a Goblin Rebellion. I mean, all of them have to be in the correct order in order for, you know, because the Goblin Rebellion is why the Minister of Magic quit. Well, the problem is, it, 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 you know we don't have dates for any of this. we just have the year, so I had to assign not just month but sometimes month and day of when that would have happened. Now we have no idea what the actual canon month is, so I just arbitrarily assigned those dates, and you'll never see them because that's just because we put basi- in
1: a because I put in a feature that only displays as much information as is actual canon right there's so another field where we
0: tell it. Where we tell it if it's year only, that's all you display is year. Even though yeah. behind the scenes it's looking at all the rest of that non canon in order mm-hmm. to put things in the right order. Which in a sense you might say, well, you don't have any right as you know, assigning months to that. Well you could just think of it as assigning a number then, a one, two, three, yeah. four, five, six, seven. Right. It's just an ordering feature. But the fact that and it's, it's easier ri-
1: to do that because it lets you rather than just picking a number and saying this one's number two because you've got to understand the same to- the same event might show up on ten different Timelines. Right, and exactly. It wouldn't be number two; it'd be number two on this one, but it might be number six on this one. So you have that's to right. put in yep. something that can work universally. Some, something
0: that's yeah, something yeah. that's more um, independent of the of the story, if you will. And so that's how that works, which is uh, maybe more than anybody wanted to know. But um, our next step is to try to turn some of that data into the calendars, which are another feature of the old Lexicon, which we still haven't brought over. Yeah, so we're working be, on that too.
1: That's going to be my next big uh, big thing, which I think it's going to work. So, <laughs>
0: but here's the thing, if, so loop, looping back. We've been talking a lot about new stuff on the lexicon, but this is a major update, actually. And if you go to the events up at the top of the page and you click on more, you're going to get to the events and timelines page. Now, honestly, some of them don't have much in there yet. We just have not. I, you know, this is a long process. But if you click on, say, ten to fourteen hundred AD. And you look at that, what you're going to end up with is all the events that happen. Right now, there's nothing. Right now, that part has not been imported into the timeline system yet. But there is a link that says link to that part of the main timeline, which will take you to, because we have a main timeline of just all the events. And so you can look at what we have in there. But even that's not complete, because we're only including Wizarding World events, The so Muggle World events aren't in there, and so we're working on it, but... You're going to see finally an actual timeline, so there is that. All that to say, hey, there's some new stuff on the site.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we don't just sit idle. We've got, you know, that's right. It's like the new, the you know, the new version of Lexicon, which now is a couple of years old now, but you know, we're we're constantly trying to improve it and add more stuff mm-hmm. to it. So um, keep keep looking, watching and keep listening to us here on the podcast because we'll keep talking about
0: it. Uh mm-hmm. huh. Okay. Um. Oh. Uh. Let's see. I'm just typing something here. Huh. Well. Are we? we, We've talked about all of that new stuff then. Well. How about new new stuff in, new stuff in the Wizarding World? I mean, in the in the world of Harry Potter. Not not the Wizarding World per se. But, um. Oh, the big one. We now have the title of the new film. We have the title of
1: the new film. What do we think of it? You know, the the big thing that strikes me is there's no the, or or no. Oh, there is. There is the. There is a the, but there's no. Oh, right.
0: Yeah, because it's it's called the Crimes of Grindelwald. But yeah, it's uh, it doesn't have after Fantastic Beasts. It isn't Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald. It's Fantastic yeah. Beasts colon the Crimes of Grindelwald. So, <coughs> so that's pretty cool. Uh, what do I think of the name? Fine.
1: It, it really yeah. doesn't tell us much. But you know what? Then again, it actually tells us more than any <laughs> titles from from any of her other things. So,
0: <laughs> oh, that's true. Well, and if you think about, it, I mean, even chapter titles in the in the novels are yeah. some of them are incredibly clever, but yes. you don't, don't realize how clever they are till you're done reading them. Like "Will" and "Won't" It's my favorite. That's a having great to do one. having to, that. yeah. That's that's just a, a brilliant chapter title, but so but um yeah, "Crimes of Grindelwald" uh, and uh, the the cast picture. Which I think is, yeah, for exactly. one thing, I love I love whatever filter it is that they have on there because it just looks absolutely. It looks like a cross between a photo and a painting, and it's just beautiful. So, but it's kind of okay, weird,
1: like it's kind of weird to have a cast photo that includes the both the, the heroes villain? and the villains.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, well, they're on opposite ends, and that kind of gives you the impression. Of, but see, if it was trying to tell you who's on the good side and who's the bad side, looks like. You know, the the good people are all over next to Grindelwald. So, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So I guess it isn't uh, trying to tell us anything there. Although, there are a couple of things that strike me. First of all, the fact that uh, Lita Lestrange is apparently with, uh, you know, Newt's brother, her his fiance. So obviously, there's there's some story there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yep. definitely layering some stuff there. Um, Dude Law is interesting as
0: Dumbledore. I think he's awesome. I think he's absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. And I love the costume. Except I love the shoes. I want his shoes.
1: Except he doesn't have auburn
0: hair. Doesn't he have auburn hair? Oh. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. He should be a,
1: it should be a redhead, right? I mean, that's
0: Absolutely. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, he's supposed to be a redhead. I didn't <laughs> think of that. Oh. Yeah, because yes. when Harry when Harry goes back in um when Harry goes back to nineteen forty three. Which is not long
1: si- after this. <laughs>
0: no, about twenty years. Yeah. Um but Dumbledore has Auburn hair. Interesting. I hadn't even thought of that.
1: So if oh. something happens and Dumbledore's hair changes or they just decided to screw it. I think
0: they decided to <laughs> screw it to be perfectly honest with you, but um
1: I mean kind of like they did with, with Harry's eyes, right? I mean, yeah
0: right yeah and and I guess I don't care, uh because obviously if I cared, I would have noticed it right away, but that is true. It's according to the according to Canon, he had auburn hair, huh, but okay. you know this
1: goes back to something we talked about in a previous podcast, right? It's like you know the only visual description we have of Newt's commander is Eddie Redman. Right, we had a conversation before. Correct. Is, do we consider yeah. because this was created for film, and because right. we didn't have any previous canon describing what he looks like, do we consider right. Eddie Redmayne to be uh, the description,
0: the canon of description of Newt's commander.
1: commander? And I think if we're going to, if we can't do that, if we're now looking at a Dumbledore who doesn't look like Dumbledore. <laughs> Not that we were doing—we had come to the decision huh. we weren't doing that anyway. But this,
0: <laughs> okay, uh, I wish you, I sure wish you hadn't brought that up because <laughs> now I'm looking at i going ah because I think he's it's like perfect, just perfect. We're and gonna uh, uh, out, we're going
1: to find out in the third in the third movie that Dumbledore is so vain that he dyes his hair and that some days
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> he magically dyes his hair, or, like, or, or every morning Or there's on, some magic. He gets hit by it. some magic spell that that changes permanently, changes his hair color. Yeah, there
1: you go. Okay,
0: maybe
1: the last film, just yeah. so that they can make they can you know tie that little thread back.
0: Now, I will <laughs> say, I was very impressed with how Rowling did tie up all the loose ends in, in Deathly Hallows. I mean, there were things that were answered which I never would have thought she would have gotten to. You know, mm-hmm. so like the whole bloody Baron kind of thing. So,
1: yeah, that was one of the great things about about Deathly Hallows. Is it yeah. really did a great job of tying up loose ends while still introducing a whole bunch more questions that we that.
0: Right, but but yeah, but but so I suppose it's possible. And but I have I kind of feel like, you know, you're probably right. They just finally probably figured screw it. But that is too bad. Now now you've now you've you know, broken my little heart over here. So. Because I really do like that cast picture, and I really think it's cool. And we will talk Sorry. more about one of those one of those characters in a few minutes when we kind of hit the meat of this podcast. I mean, we're already forty minutes in, and we haven't even started talking about what we're here to talk about. So that just tells you what what happens when you and I get talking. But All right. um, uh, one more thing, I guess
1: this I mean, this isn't canon in any way, shape, or form, um, but it is it is something new this this uh, season is. Uh, both universals in uh, Hollywood and Orlando, I don't know if the one in Japan is doing it, but um, both of them have, for the first time, done Christmas at Hogwarts as a thing. So. Hogsmeade
0: uh, or Hogwarts?
1: Uh, well, they call it Christmas at Hogwarts, but it's Hogsmeade. Um, oh, okay. And I don't know if they're doing anything at Diagon Alley. I know they're doing it at Hogsmeade. I didn't check. But um, this is multiple things. One, they have, uh, they've added christmas decorations to all of the shops um they've uh including some rather wizarding looking christmas lights it's like not they're not lights they're more like you know candles and things like that so okay
0: well um, remember fairy lights yeah are is is a british term for what we call in the united states we call them christmas tree lights or light strings they call them fairy lights and of course the joke is that that uh um, Flitwick is actually using real live ferries. Right. That's just uh, to play on words. And so, um, do they have ferries?
1: I don't know if they have ferries. I'd have to look it okay. up. Um, All right. I do think they mentioned fairy lights in the in the announcement. But, but
0: of course that could be yeah. because that would be the name for them. If right. you're British, you call those um, fairy lights.
1: Yeah, you know, there are. You know the the one thing they did. Christmas last year was that they had a holiday feast at the Three Broomsticks, um, oh. uh, with you know British traditional holiday foods. So um, okay, as opposed, as opposed to American holiday foods. Um, and so the other big thing this year is they've got a night. Is Christmas the American topic.
0: holiday foods is Cracker Barrel right? Because you don't, <laughs> don't feel like cooking.
1: Yeah, well, no. <laughs> uh, and so the. Uh, the the big thing they added they have this year is they actually have a nighttime spectacular for the holiday season. Um, they experimented a little about this in the summer with a with a nighttime spectacular, which is just a projection show. But there is a new projection show um, that they project onto the castle using projection mapping.
0: Okay, um, now you say just a projection show, and I've watched this on YouTube, and that's that's okay. That's just a projection I mean, that is amazing. I mean, well, it's, it's so more cool. Amazing
1: now, to, now it involves fireworks and uh, um, and other and lighting effects around the Wizarding uh, around Hogsmeade as well for the Christmas season. You should check it out on YouTube. Um, it's I will. really quite right, quite beautiful. Um,
0: okay, so uh, this is this is going on now, then until Christmas.
1: I believe it goes on to the first of the year.
0: Okay. So um, well, but it's, that's that's. Uh, not likely that I'm going to get there, but you never know. I am going <laughs> yeah. to Disney. But
1: You're going to Disney, really? Wow, I am.
0: Right. With you, as a matter of oh, fact. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh-huh. So, uh, um, before we... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Is there more on that, or otherwise we'll move on? And
1: No, let's, let's move on. Like I okay. said, we're 40 minutes into this. Stuff. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we get
0: talking. Um, so, uh, just uh, before we go on to what we're going to talk about, sort of our main topic, do you want to mention... Um, we are um, really, really asking that you would consider supporting the uh, Lexicon, the effort that we're making. As I said, this is 20 years' worth of effort by some really amazing fans who have just really worked hard to research, put together this information, and uh, now, the last four or five years now, uh, Nick and I have been sort of spearheading this re- revival, if you will, of the site to put this all you know at your fingertips, be able to find this stuff, all the the, the the best canon information available and uh right now all of this is paid for just by uh you know nobody nobody gets paid for this and any bills like like Nick mentioned earlier he was paying for that himself for the for the search um ability for the server. right and so i mean this is this is all kind of uh fans doing this you know kind of out of the goodness of their heart and because it's it's uh, their passion but we certainly would appreciate We've We've decided to put no advertising on the site. And there are ways that you can support us. Um, some ways that involve uh, donating some money. Uh, that would be if you go to, uh, using the Patreon uh, link that is on the, the, uh, the lexicon. If you go up at the upper left-hand side where it says the Harry Potter lexicon, if you click on that, you get a menu. And one of the options is support. And if you go there, you'll see the link for Patreon, and you can uh, uh, contribute that way. But there's also, um, if you uh, use the link there for Amazon and start there to go and buy whatever it is you're on Amazon, a percentage of that will also go back to the lexicon, and you don't have to, I mean, this costs you nothing. I mean, you all shop at Amazon anyway. You know you do. Uh, So if you use that link, it's just a way to kind of help us out, uh, to help us keep from... uh, um, paying our own money uh, to do this, which we're going to do it either way, of course, but we would certainly appreciate that. So do take a look at that. Upper left-hand corner, you'll find the link for, uh, under where it says the Harry Potter lexicon. If you click on that, you'll see the menu, and support is on there. And if you click on there and take a look at what uh, what options you have, we would sure appreciate that. Now, main topics. This is the one I really want to talk about, because this is something... Uh, John Granger, who is uh, kind of, he calls himself the Hogwarts professor. He does a lot of really uh, cool, he's published a number of books. um, Just kind of, uh, he's part of a group which I I correspond with quite often, which is a group of people who just like to have good philosophical or or, um, canon-based but literature kind of discussions. I think he's written a book uh, on... The the good classic literature, which to read if you want to understand Harry Potter better, that kind of thing. Um, so he uh, sent an email to me uh, with suggestion, which it was not originally his. He actually linked to other places where people had talked about this, and I'm going to uh, let me let me kind of talk through this theory because I think this is this uh, this one I'm really excited about. I think this is true, but here's here's what it is: the unnamed character who you would see if you look at that um, uh, cast photo we were talking about. She's uh, uh, played by Claudia Kim. She is a maledictus, which is somebody who, according to the promotional material, has a blood curse. And her blood curse means that eventually she will turn into a, a beast permanently. So it's not like an animagus. She's actually, this curse is going to turn her into a beast. Now... For some reason, they decided not to give her name, which, you know, right away to me is like, okay, why? What's what's the big surprise? What's the wh- why would give telling her name?
1: Her name but you put her in the cast photo. That's that's yeah, right. So
0: she's that important. And then if you look closely, assuming that she is someone who's going to turn into a beast, if you look at her costume, if you look closely at her costume, you'll see that the 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 the, the texture of okay, so the her- pattern.
1: So we'll, we'll we'll put the cast photo in here in the in the show notes. What, just so for the people who are like, which person are we talking about here?
0: She's third from the left. She's the one with um uh the obscure. What's what's his name? Why can't I think of his name? Anyway, uh, uh third from uh, the left. <laughs> I'm drawing Creedence. a complete blank. Like, yes, credence, uh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. But um if you look at her, if you look at her costume, uh and then before we go on and Take a little jump here. If you look at pictures from uh, the original Fantastic Beasts film, there's a picture of Graves who is standing next to a poster for the Circus Arcanus. This is actually from uh, the first film. And if you look at that, one of the the very prominent person listed under Circus Arcanus is a snake girl. Okay? Then if you look at the poster for the Circus Arcanus because we already know this circus is going to feature in the upcoming film very prominently again more prominently than any other of the you know the human oddities in this circus is the enchanting snake girl. Now I think that that is who you know this character is that she is destined cursed to eventually turn into a snake.
1: Well that's a the theory.
0: Right. This is all theory. But I think no. the reason we don't know her name is because I think her name is Nagini.
1: You think she you think this is Nagini?
0: I think that her name is Nagini, and when she completely turns into a snake, she is Nagini. She is the one that Voldemort eventually takes as I mean, we all know there's something very, very unusual about Nagini, about the size. The fact that Nagini is a is a uh, uh has uh, poison fangs. So is not a right. constrictor, even though we kind of get the impression that she is a constrictor from you know the 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 killing of uh, of um, uh, Charity uh, Babbage at the beginning of Deathly Hallows. So she's a poisonous, tremendously large snake. Large snakes are not poisonous snakes. Large snakes are constrictors, it, it, real ones, no, no actual snakes. And so you know there's something very unusual about this gigantic snake. I think, and this is this is not my theory this is what John had sent to me that she is actually Nagini, and that somehow her name would give that away, whether it's Nagini or that's part of her name or whatever so that is that's my that's my th- current cool theory that I've been thinking about. I actually put something like that on the lexicon so if you um if you look up malad- is it maledictus right um, ag- okay. So if you look up Melodictus on the lexicon, you will find um oh right there at the top. What do you know? And then if you scroll down, underneath in the commentary section, you will see all of this laid out with some pictures. Because again, it's commentary, so that's the commentary section of any page is not canon. That's our speculation and our thoughts. And so uh, what it says, it says, this is the promotional stuff. Claudia Kim appears as a melodictus, the carrier of a blood curse that destines her to ultimately to transform into a beast. And if you look at that costume close up in that picture, you certainly get the impression that that could be, she could, she could be the snake girl. So anyway, oh, and also we do know that she is playing a character who is part of that circus. Because that's also part of the promotional stuff that we know. So, I just think that's very, I mean, very there's, there's
1: definitely a lot of stuff in there. Well, I, the thing is, right, we've, we've seen crazy theories about McGinney before.
0: Uh, yeah, one or ten. And, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and most of them are just plain stupid. Now, I'm not saying this one's stupid, because it's, a, it's definitely interesting. Now, there's, about, um,
0: there's some fans out there that are going, what did he just call us?
1: I'm sorry. If, you're, if you believe that Nagini is the, is the Brazilian boa constrictor, then...
0: Okay, yeah, that's just stupid.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, um, go. So, anyway, um, we're talking about... Now, the whole idea, then, is that, is that Rowling is basically going to surprise us with the identity of Nagini.
1: Right. So the biggest problems I see with this is, one, the time frame, right? I mean, we're talk- This is a, there's a 70-year gap here. So, I mean, granted, once once this person's a ma- I mean, one,
0: we know that wizards live for
1: a decent amount of time. We know this.
0: Um, Although there's there's actually very little evidence to that effect except for her saying it in one or two interviews. All of the years of actual characters don't actually end up being particularly long, with the exception of Newt's commander, who is apparently a hundred and some.
1: Well, I mean, Dumbledore, Dumbledore is a little over a hundred, and he doesn't act like he's over a hundred, right? So
0: true. Yeah. So okay. I mean, there's, there's that was point.
1: People live longer than the average human lifespan. Okay. How's that?
0: Yeah, but I think I think in this case you'd have to go beyond that and say this is a magical effect.
1: Right, so somehow becoming a snake makes you because Nagini isn't doesn't seem like an ancient snake. I mean, it's not like the basilisk or something like that. It's not an old snake. So,
0: well, how would you tell if it's an old snake? It moves very quickly. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's very large. Yeah. It's had plenty of chance to grow. Um, it moves very quickly. Uh... Well, I don't know. I would just. I would just say that it fits the rolling style of "quote unquote" surprise. It you cr- know what I mean? It could. Cr- I mean, it's. It. I mean, let's face it. There's only two really big surprises in the entire series. One of them was when you know the rat turned into a wizard. Right. That was kind of. I always say that was the one where the us fans at the time suddenly realized, "Oh, she's trickier than we thought." It was mm-hmm. like that's when all of a sudden we started going back and looking for clues. Because we were totally like, whoa. Okay, it got serious at that point. Right. The other big surprise was, what you know, who, why did Snape kill Dumbledore? You know, that was really... And even that, there was an awful lot of discussion. And, I mean, she has thought that she's fooled people before. You know, but we all guessed that Snape loved Lily. That was not a surprise. You know, and... Uh, even even her thing where she crowed after book seven, she said, well, you know, I've always wondered why nobody asked me about, you know, Dumbledore's wand. And it's like, yeah, we did actually. It's in the open letter because, you know, we sent that open letter to J.K. Rowling at the with the approval of her, um, you know, solicitor at the time who said, okay, I, you, you can write an open letter with questions and I'll submit it to her, which she did. And she answered a bunch of them. She just never answered that one. So we right. did ask her about Dumbledore's wand. Right.
1: So, yeah, and she just, I think she forgets things, right? Like, you had, had like, 20, 30 questions on that open letter, so it's possible. She, at the time, decided not to answer that one, but then just completely forgot. Uh, It's also possible that that open letter got filtered quite a bit before it made it to her.
0: Uh, I don't like to think so. I like to think that she was, oh, good, it's a letter from MuggleNet and the Lexicon. Let me read it now. I think that's what she did. Uh, Okay.
1: I can see, I I can totally see the editor going, that question doesn't sound interesting. I'm just not going to bother her with
0: that one. Well, there was no editor. All there was was, all there was was Neil Blair. But the point being that uh, I think that this, Fits her, you know, modus operandi, if you will. It could. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: The one thing I'm pretty sure. I'm,
1: I I spent this time when you're having audio issues reading the uh, reading uh, the thing on on John's site. Um, right. The one thing for sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, I like, definitely sure it's not. It's not Marope.
0: Uh Oh yeah, that yeah, yeah. The whole thing about connecting it up with the Gaunt family. No, I don't. I don't have any. There's we, no way it's Marope. I, mean, I could I could see it being a Gaunt,
1: maybe. We know that there are Gaunts in, in America, right? But see, I don't see any any reason why that would have to be.
0: Do you know well, what I mean? I mean? That
1: that is their statement is it being that way means that when Voldemort
0: oh, takes yeah, Okay, so Michini, how did they How did so they connect up? Okay, yeah, all right. But
1: when Voldemort takes this particular one as his familiar, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a family connection there. But okay, so I can see it could be that, but it's not Moroop. Moroop, we know, will be dead in a matter of weeks from the time this movie right. starts. And exactly, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, she dies. She dies very shortly thereafter. So yeah,
1: okay, because um, we're in December well. of. of 1926, and we know Voldemort was born on December born or
0: 31, dis-
1: 1926. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So, so you know this is we're we're literally talking a matter of a couple of weeks after. And I don't think That's that correct. Marope decided to go on a little trip and become a become a circus reformer
0: in the meantime. Uh- <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to fit the story. That is right. True. Um, so. Okay. Well, I'll tell you something. We have. We actually have another theory to discuss. Yeah. So, so uh, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: So this theory comes from a YouTube channel that I like to watch. We've mentioned it out here before, um, the uh, Super Carlin Brothers. Um, uh huh. And so the theory that he that he presented was that, um, basically, it all stems around this question: Why does nobody, even Draco? Right? This, in particular, Draco, Ron, and Hermione. Why do those three not know about the sorting hat? We know Hermione has read A History of Magic because she talks immediately before the scene.
0: Of, you mean Hogwarts A History?
1: That's, that's what I meant to say. I don't know why. Was, mm-hmm. Yes. Why she's, we on? know she's read Hogwarts A History because immediately before the sorting, she's talking about the, see, the enchanted the ceiling. ceiling. Right. right, and that's not a movie thing. That's mm-hmm. in the book. No, yeah. no absolutely. Yeah, um, we know that we don't. Okay, Draco's father tells him like everything. So, right, you know, there's no reason to believe that Draco's father would keep the wizard the Sorting Hat a secret from Draco just because it's a wizarding tradition. No, right. And okay. Ron has had so many brothers and sisters coming through Hogwarts that... Or brothers, he hasn't had any sisters yet going through Hogwarts, mm-hmm. that someone's going to to spill the beans. Unless okay. they can't. Um, so the theory is that the identity of... Or the method of sorting, the sorting hat's identity, is... A is held under the fidelis charm. Okay. And of course, there's a couple of problems with this. Um, but before I get to the problems here, so the the arguments for this uh, is that well, no, okay. So I'll do the problems first. So the problem is obviously we know that if this whoever the secret keeper is dies, that the that anybody that secret has been given to is uh, becomes a secret keeper. So at that point, you know, and since this has presumably been a secret since the beginning of time, or since the beginning of Hogwarts, right? Whoever it is has died, unless it, you know, unless it hasn't been a secret since the
0: beginning, which is, I suppose, possible that it's a newer thing. But either way, it's been long enough that people don't talk about it, which means that you can assume that the original secret keeper has died.
1: Right. So the theory goes that the hat itself is its own secret keeper. And the main argument for this is that in that sorting scene, nobody introduces the hat. McGonagall doesn't do it. Dumbledore doesn't okay. do it. Nobody in the hu- in the place does it. Who introduces the hat as being the sorting hat in the method of sorting? Well, he does. The hat does with its song. Oh, it does. Yeah. yeah. Right. So the going theory is that is the hat giving the secret to the new group of people. Oh. Right? Until the hat does that, nobody can tell these first years that the sorting hat is going to tell you, tell you what house you're supposed to be in. The sorting hat okay. gives that secret. Alright, so, problems with the theory go, you know, but the biggest problem with the theory is that Harry tells Albus Severus. Right. In okay, the, yeah, in the, right. In the epilogue and in Curse Child, which of course has is the same scene, Harry right. tells Albus Severus about the sorting hat. And says that the okay. sorting hat can take your your
0: and, and the way he says it is as if We already have been talked about this. He already knows about it. Right. It wasn't like, well, you know what? Hey, there's this thing I'm not supposed to tell you, but it's called a sorting hat. Right. It's it's like this is a common knowledge.
1: There's a couple of ways to do it. I have, you know, uh, there's a couple of ways to get around this problem. One is that the hat may have died when Voldemort sets it on fire.
0: Oh. Okay, so 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 it, so,
1: so during the battle, so pod, then, yeah, during the battle right. of Hogwarts, Voldemort sets the hat ablaze a on top of Neville's head. Right, right,
0: exactly. Yeah. So, uh-huh.
1: um, so that kills at least temporarily the hat.
0: Okay. And that the hat needs to be
1: essentially revived before... And so when that
0: happens, the secret is gone.
1: Well, the secret then goes to everybody who's ever known the secret, which is... Which is everybody. Everybody. Everybody in in Wizarding Britain, anyway. That's one theory. Okay. I don't really like that, because that means that somehow they brought the hat back to life. Right. Um... Theory number two, and this one's this one wasn't mentioned on the on the podcast, but or on the vidcast. But this is my I, I like this one. Harry, we know from Kirschchild that Harry has been known to frequently or semi-frequently visit Hogwarts as an adult. Sure, right. Um, yes. Uh huh. Yeah. It's not outside the realm of possibility that he would have brought his family along to one of these trips.
0: No, I think it's very likely.
1: It's very likely. And it's also very likely that when visiting Hogwarts, he and possibly his family have been to what used to be Dumbledore's and is now McGonagall's office.
0: Sure, that makes sense. I would expect that would happen. Yeah. Oh, so I see where you're going with that. that So the hat's hat's there.
1: So... Not necessarily uh-huh. everybody knows now, but Albus does. Right. right? Because uh-huh. he's, been, he's been in McGonagall's office and presumably seen and maybe even talked to the hat. Right. Okay.
0: okay. Option, option well,
1: three to solve this problem, and this is what okay. I like the best, is okay. that following the Battle of Hogwarts...
0: Okay. It was. Yeah, I think sword, now you're going where, where my brain is going. Okay, go ahead.
1: Following the Battle of Hogwarts, the hat had such a significant part of the Battle of Hogwarts. You know, it was, right. you know, Neville drew the sword out of the hat, the hat, right. you know. I mean, yep. this is now a point of wizarding history.
0: Right, plus an awful lot of the wizarding population was there to see it.
1: Yes, Although, admittedly, not people who are under the under school age. Um, True. Right. So. Or Slytherins. Or Slytherins because S- they all got removed. Right, but I mean, basically, the only people who are there are people who would already know the secret. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess. So, but my point is, you can't have a discussion about the events of the battle of hogwarts without talking about the hat and what happened right right sure oh and mm-hmm. then you know this guy named devil he drew a sword out of somewhere i can't tell you where and it's sli-
0: <laughs> like right yeah yeah and then sli- yeah i'm sure then there's sliced- given given everything i'm sure there's been you know science you know historical you know dissertations and analyses and who knows what of that whole event yeah. set of events yeah. And so
1: that leads me to think that the it is distinctly possible at this point that it was decided that we have to let the secret out here. It's not something we can keep secret sure. anymore.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I you know, I would also postulate the idea that Rowling, when she wrote the first book, didn't have that all well thought out. That's of course distinctly
1: possible. But um
0: but it is. Okay. But I'm sorry, we don't go with those kinds of theories. We don't so, go with those okay. theories. No, we have to make things fit. Um, That's right. And okay, the, just just for context, let me read you a paragraph. Okay. This is there's a there's a wonderful article, or uh, essay on Beyond Hogwarts, which is a, a site that just has a lot of really good canon stuff on it. And this uh, it's it's a piece by Christine Kendrick. And uh, it basically goes through the Fidelia's charm, step by step, and each time it pulls up a bit of canon, she basically um, revises her definition of what the secret, what the, what it is. So here's, here's how it is. Um, Starts with, when a secret keeper dies, their secret dies with them. Everybody in whom they confided will continue to know the hidden information, but nobody else. Until the spellcaster dies, then the secret is revealed to everyone. But then the more that a canon that comes up, first of all with 12 remote place, and then with uh, more discussion about Shell Cottage, here's where that ends up after all of the discussion. When a secret keeper dies, their secret dies with them. Everybody in whom they confided will continue to know the hidden information, but nobody else except... If you are within the premises of the protected area when the spell is cast, you do not need to be told the secret. And, if you know a secret place, you can bring someone who doesn't know the secret into the hidden place using side-along apparition. Unless the secret keeper dies, then all those who know the secret become secret keepers. Until the spellcaster dies, then the secret is revealed to everyone. That is basically just going through canon, step by step, and analyzing all the different things that have been said about the Fidelius Charm,
1: part and of all that of that works. Part of that doesn't seem right. The last I know, but it's last, It's part, all part. canon. The Latin. Where's the part about if the spellkeeper dies, the the spellcaster dies, that secrets are revealed to everybody? Because Dumbledore um, casts go his own Fidelius Charm. Uh,
0: that bit gets added on after the grimoire place part. I'd have to go through and find exactly but, where the, where she's quoting.
1: But didn't Dumbledore cast the Fidelis charm? Yes. Then but the secret is still Oh a no, secret. it
0: says it says it says no, it says Dumbledore's secret keeper, but who cast the charm? I think it is generally assumed that Dumbledore himself cast the charm, but this cannot be so. Because if he followed the above example, the spell only breaks upon the death of the caster we see now that the location of Twelve Grimmel Place is still protected after Dumbledore's death. It seems a logical conclusion is that Severus Snape could have been the caster, as it has to be someone still alive after Dumbledore wasn't. This is just another example of how deeply Dumbledore trusted Snape to have given him such a powerful position in the secret headquarters of the Order. Okay, so now because of as how described, why Harry and Hermione can see the remains of the house at Godric's Hollow, we have a new understanding of the complexity of the Fidelius Charm. So J.K.'s description of the charm should really have been, when a secret keeper dies, their secret dies with them. Everybody in whom they have confided will continue to know the hidden information, but nobody else, until the spellcaster dies and then the secret is revealed to everyone. Because you can go to Godric's Hollow and see the remains of the cottage. That's where they're basing that on. But so you've been able being, to do that...
1: Since well before Dumbledore died, because there was a plaque there.
0: So the point being that...
1: So I don't think that... I don't think the statement of it being that the caster dies, because Dumbledore... Well, I guess Dumbledore couldn't have been the caster.
0: For which one?
1: For... Remote place, or... For... for, uh, Dumbledore couldn't have been the caster for...
0: Godric's Hollow.
1: Godric's Hollow. Otherwise... He would have known that uh, that that Sirius wasn't the secret keeper.
0: Yeah, you'd think so. The point which, is that I was making that James not,
1: was pro, James or Lily was probably the caster of the
0: Fidelius charm. So, so the point that I'm making is not is not to tear it apart because I haven't analyzed it within the context of the Sorting Hat. But it's just to say that looking at canon does not make it very clear how this whole thing works. And so I guess my point is, if the Fidelius Charm or something like that, because remember, we don't know every spell. No, we don't
1: something, know every like spell. something
0: like that is involved. If something like that is involved with the Sorting Hat, you can't look at what we know about the Fidelius Charm and say, this can work, that can't work. Because there's too much that's ambiguous about how the Fidelius Charm works. We just that's don't know. Also,
1: some people think that, that the Fidelius Charm is only about locations, but that's not how it's described.
0: Well, it's just never described it, it, it specifically, but that's all it's ever used for. That's all we ever see it In used the, for. Right, but that doesn't mean that it couldn't be used for something else. I think the point, really, is even if it's not the Fidelius Charm, I think just the general idea that there's some magic involved keeping that kind of secret, as opposed to just everybody, hey, just don't tell anybody. The fact that right. there's some kind of magic seems to make sense to me. I don't know if it's the Fidelius charm, but it's certainly something like that, it seems to me. Hmm. All right. Just, just, just that, that brings up the whole fun thing about canon of that. We just... There's there's so much that we don't know and we can't know and Rowling has probably never invented. The world that she invented has this implied much larger stuff to it. And so, yeah, we we only know the spells we know and we kind of think, well, those are the only ones that there are. In a sense, we have that sort of built-in feeling in our hearts that that's what it is. If it's going to be something like that, it has to be the Vidalis chart. But... The charm itself is more complex than we understand from canon. And spells in general, there are more of them than we know about. Yes. Yes, well, thank and you. It's, <laughs>
1: all, it's, also, it's just, also highly implied by certain conversations that even the Fidelis charm isn't a particularly commonly known spell. Um, isn't it what?
0: It isn't a particularly commonly known spell, um, right? Or, or if it is, it certainly is not attempted by very many people because it's enormously complex, quote unquote.
1: Because, and I'm hoping I'm not like saying a movie oh, thing. I'm sorry.
0: Immensely complex. Yeah,
1: I'm hoping I'm not saying a movie thing as fact or something like that here. But isn't don't they ask Madame murder if she's familiar with the spell? I
0: don't remember. That would be a quick look it up on their electronic copy of the books. But, well, you know what? I think we're going to have to leave this for now yep, and maybe we come back to it after. So it says,
1: Well, of course, you know who wasn't an easy person to hide from? Dumbledore told them their best chance was the Fidelis Charm. How does that work? said Madame Rosemurta, breathless with interest.
0: Mm.
1: Professor Floyd uh-huh. cleared his throat. An immensely complex spell, he said squeakily, involving the magical concealment of a secret inside a single living soul.
0: Right. Okay. I think we're going to have to come back to this one. I think if we'll see if we get any feedback uh, uh what, what people think. And, you know, I might just toss that out on Harry Potter for Grown Ups. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I've been uh, back on Harry Potter for Grown Ups once in a while because it's just an awesome place to be. Uh, and I might just throw that out there and see if some people have some comments on that. Uh, cause that's always, that's like a whole bunch of, um, really, really, really canon centric people who like to yeah. talk about stuff. So, yeah. So I may just toss it out there and see what, what happens. But,
1: okay. Well, okay.
0: then we should probably wrap up. shouldn't I guess we probably should. That, that more than does it for episode 28. Um, Uh, Thanks again to Harry and the Potters for the use of the music for the beginning and the end. Um, And uh, make sure you visit the website. Take a look at some of the new features we've been talking about. That's www.hp-lexicon.org. And uh, check us out on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, Don't forget to support the Lexicon if you can. Take a look at that link on every page up where it says the Harry Potter Lexicon. Click on that. Click on support and see what you can do. We sure would appreciate that. But I guess that wraps it up. Uh, this is Steve Bandrock of the Harry Potter Lexicon.
1: And this is Nick Moline, the Lexicon's tech wizard.
0: And thanks for listening.